wondering if you could do me a favor, you know, if you ain't that busy, if you could throw it down a couple blessings, you know, like one that I don't mess up being a manager. Uh, we're just three cats that never played a single snap. Here to tell you how to draft, win the ship, and run it back. The stats ain't tell the story, this is the story of the stats. You can stick it to your friends, what's more glorious than that? We're victorious in rap, bringing wrath to our rivals. We're here to shun the stats, laugh, and lead you all to titles. Stick to the path and follow us disciples. The only sin is math, and all you need is the Bible. It's the fantasy. Bible. It's the fantasy. Bible. It's the fantasy. Bible is the fantasy Bible. Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Bible. I'm your host, Nate Binder, and as always, I'm here with Dane. Dane, how you doing? Doing so great. Just finished our draft. I've got a high still carrying over from that Saturday night draft all the way into Wednesday or Thursday. Yeah, it's still there. I'm so excited. Yeah, I just, you know, sometimes I just sit around, I pull up my team. I scroll through, I just admire. Sometimes I wonder what could have been, what should have been, but mostly I'm pretty sure. pretty proud of what happened. And, uh, you know, so yeah, we're going to be recapping that draft today. It's our real life, real money, seven-year running league with a lot of our closest friends. It's very competitive, and that's why we're recapping it because I think it'll lend some insight into wh- what moves are being made in some of the most competitive leagues because I went into this draft and I think you did as well, Dane, expecting certain players to fall to us uh, that did not fall. Like I was ready to reach Mm -hmm. on a number of players that I got outreached on. Um, So yeah, it was, it was a fun draft and, uh, and I, I can't wait to talk about it. And we also have to give a special shout out to Mike Taglieri, Mike Taglieri, excuse me, who did our, uh, it's Taglier. Taglier, okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I hit it wrong both times. I'm glad you know. Um, but yeah, tags from the fantasy uh, fantasy pros. Um, so yeah, he uh, did a cameo for our draft opening. It was it was very heartfelt. It was well well uh, met, and uh, yeah, we just appreciate that. And uh, everyone read the primer because it's a it's a key resource on wide receiver matchups and running back defensive line matchups and all the kind of situational things that you need to do going into the football matchups that week. All right, Dane, why don't you tell the people where they can find us on social media? We're at fantasy Bible pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter and the fantasy Excellent. Do we have any news today, Dane? So there's light news. I wanted to keep it short because we do have a lot to talk about today. Uh, Flagship news, Tim Tebow released from the Jacksonville Jaguars. What a shocker. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The season total bet for his over under yardage was 12 and a half yards. So everyone in Vegas was expecting him to get cut. It seems because if he made the roster, he would have had more than that the whole season. Not a shocker. Uh, You know, best of luck to you, Timmy. Um, <laughs> he was drafted in our draft and still rostered by the way. <laughs> no, no, Brandon dropped him. Oh, okay. Well, maybe I was looking at the draft results and that's what I saw, but anyways, yeah, yeah, yeah. he was drafted for no good reason other than hype, I guess, uh, you know, no, no reason you should have done that Brandon, if you're listening, but, uh, props to you for making that, I guess. <laughs> Uh, Darren Waller is back at practice. There was a lot of fear in the last two weeks. If you've had any early drafts like we did, there was some concern that 
uh, Darren Waller might not be able to play week one. But yeah, I got a little screwed on that one, to be honest. Yeah, I was. I think you made the right call drafting Kittle over Waller because we did not yet have confirmation that his health was trending in the right direction. So he is going to be good to go as far as everything we can tell right now from the news sources. But that's good to know. There are still three top tight ends in your draft. Don't feel bad about taking any of them in their early rounds. And David Johnson is pretty much confirmed to be the third running back on the Texans jet chart. So he's essentially worthless for fantasy now because he's only going to be on pass catching downs. He's going to be their third down back. At least that's everything that's coming out of that camp. He even had an interview saying he doesn't feel great about it, but if it's what helps the team, you know, all that good teammate stuff, but uh, yeah, don't draft him. Yeah. It doesn't sound like he's going to be getting a lot of work, like just total opportunities. And that's what everything is based on is opportunity. Yeah. And for a team that we don't project to be anywhere close to a top offense, in fact, a probably bottom five offense. uh, Yeah. Don't, probably don't want any of those running backs. If you want to take a shot on them in the last round of your draft, they might still be there. (laughs) Uh, David Johnson was drafted fairly early in our draft. I think he was taken in the eighth round, which was kind of surprising. Uh, Is that all we have for news today? That's all I had. There's some other like, you know, minor injury concerns, but if it's relevant, we'll tell you about it next week. Awesome. All right. Well, I know on the uh, on the schedule today, we have a mystery question next, but my mystery question segues into our main segment. So I thought you could introduce our new segment uh, today. Oh, I would love to. So we have what I just came up as a brainchild of mine. If you've all seen Key and Peel, their skit about the anger translator for, I think it was Obama, they launched it with so many years ago, but a phenomenal skit if you haven't seen it, but that's kind of what gave me the inspiration here. We're giving you a coach speak translator segment. So we'll be breaking down all of these ridiculous things that coaches say. It's usually through rose tinted glasses. So Uh, yeah, a lot of that you can't trust at face value. So I thought it might be helpful to tell you about the stuff you should be paying attention to and to sift through the stuff that is just all bogus and jargon and just, you know, talking up players that might not mean anything. I love it. Let's hear it. All right. So from Ron Rivera, head coach of the Washington football team, he was speaking about running back Antonio Gibson. Uh, that's a complete back, a guy that can go out there and do those things. Rivera said, you don't have to do different personnel groupings or bring in players to run specific plays. And that was one of the beauties of having a guy like Christian McCaffrey. It didn't matter who he was in with. You were able to run whatever you wanted. You'd love to get into that situation with any back. And that's what we're kind of trending toward, or at least hoping that's how Antonio continues to develop translation. It would be awesome if Antonio Gibson was actually Christian McCaffrey. I might have Gibson get more passing down work, but in reality, we still have the best running back in the league on our team, J.D. McKissick. I'm going to give that guy enough work to piss off every fantasy manager anywhere. (laughs) I disagree. As I said since the day I was born, Antonio Gibson is Christian McCaffrey, and that's my official stance. I think Ron Rivera is being totally genuine here. So it's very possible that they do give him all of the pass catching work, but they still have JD McKissick rostered. He was on every third down last year. Uh, And even in the first preseason game, we did see when the first team offense was out there for a limited time, we did see JD McKissick coming in on every third down. Antonio Gibson did not get a single third down snap. So 
put your money where your actions are is probably the closest thing to pay attention to when coaches say this kind of stuff. I think you have to look at more of what they're doing, not what they're saying. Cause it would be awesome if Antonio Gibson was out there for all three downs, but until I see it, I don't think you can buy into it, but that's absolutely his upside. That's why he's being drafted at the beginning of the second round. I think it's, I think he'll get more of the past pass catching work. So I think it's not completely unwarranted for him to say something like this, but I think you can't expect anywhere close to a true Christian McCaffrey season, but you can absolutely say that he has top five upside. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think JD McKissick will probably play a, f- a thorn in many fantasy owners' sides. Although we have a we have a quarterback at play there that does not really isn't really known for the checkdown play. So if Antonio Gibson is used more in the passing game in, in a route running aspect, then we could really be golden there. Um, if he's actually like you know running routes and going for deep balls and running down the sideline in situations like that, or getting mismatched against linebackers and routes, I don't know. There's a ton of creative things that they could do with him, but as you said, we have to see it to believe it. Although it's not like the preseason game is going to reveal a lot of uh, you know what they're actually planning on doing. They usually keep it pretty vanilla in those scenarios. Yeah, you can't take preseason as, you know, the holy grail of what to expect, but uh, it it is an indicator, and I do think J.D. McKissick will get probably at least split 50-50 on that third down roll, so something to consider. Awesome. All right, before we get into my mystery question, I want to remind the people that they can find us at Fantasy Bible Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And they can go to thefantasybible.com, our website, to read our content or to submit a question for the podcast. All right, Dane, I have a two-part mystery question for you today. I'm excited. I want you to give me two letter grades for your draft, one for your decision-making and one for your roster. Interesting. Okay, so that's the whole question, I'm assuming. That's the entire question, yeah. Okay, so I think based on all the prep that we've done just for the podcast, it gave me such a well-rounded view of what to expect in the draft. And so I think that my decision-making was probably a minus like there, you know, of course, looking back, you can find things that you should have done or would have rather seen. But I think given how the draft unfolded, I think I made the right calls. I went running back, running back. And then based on running back heavy first two rounds, I was able to get two solid wide receivers. Um, and then what was the other part of the question? The actual Your roster. roster. Yeah. Yeah. I think I don't, I think I wanted a little more upside on my starting roster, but I think I got enough. Um, I did get Josh Allen in the fifth, late fifth round. So I think that gives me a positional advantage there. And then a guy who we'll talk about later on chase Claypool, I think has phenomenal upside. He's my wide receiver three. So I would have liked T Higgins as my wide receiver two. didn't happen. Like you kind of teased at the top of the episode players were reached on. He was one of them. He was a guy I was counting on as my wide receiver too, but that's okay. Because like I said, I was so well-prepared just from, you know, trying to provide content for this podcast that I knew where I was going if that didn't happen. So what was the great? Um, I'd say B solid B solid B. Yeah. I think I'm in a, in a similar situation as you, um, on the decision-making, I have to give it an A minus. I would only dig myself for, uh, Lamar Jackson fell incredibly far. He, yes. fell, he, he was selected at the six eleven, and that's an area where I, I think I could have, since we can trade picks, I think I could have tried to move up 
and grab Lamar Jackson without losing a lot. Um, but I'm not too mad because I was able to get Dak Prescott two rounds later, which is also kind of an insane steal. Um, and then I feel the exact same way as you. I took Tyler Lockett as my wide receiver too, instead of T Higgins. And yes, that's like the smarter move, you know, but it's looking back at draft day. Like if I had drafted with my heart, I would have selected T Higgins because I just, you know, you have convinced me that T Higgins is incredible and that the ceiling is very high. Um, so yeah, I would, I would go a minus a minus on decision-making and then I would give myself maybe a, a B plus on the roster because just the Amari Cooper pickup, like, I feel like I, I, I got a solid, my wide receiver situation ended up a lot more solid than I anticipated after going, uh, running back, running back tight end, which is, uh, you know, a move that I've never made before, but a move that I think more and more people are agreeing that is kind of necessary in this landscape where there's three tight ends where you know what you're going to get and you're going to get solid production from that position. And then it's just a roll of the dice everywhere else. Yeah, I think so. It's, it's either the trend in the, or sorry, the term in the community is great or late at tight end. So you either get somebody who you can lock in as a top three tight end, or you just wait and take the value as you so deem fit or just dart throws at the end of the draft and hope for the best and stream tight end. Yeah. Um, and that's why I like most of anything negative that I have to say today is mostly about people that selected mid round tight ends. Cause that's kind of the, philosophy that I determined is, mm-hmm. uh, as you said, you know, not prudent. Um, so to just to review what we're going to be going through as we recap this draft today, we're going to talk about the biggest steals, biggest reaches, which of our picks we're most excited about and which are we're least excited about, which of ours have kind of grown on us in the time that we've had away from the draft. What overall macro trends, what's the big picture of this draft and how can you expect to see these trends reflected in your draft? And then we'll just go through every team real quick, every draft slot and get an idea of who the favorite pick was and the least favorite pick. So you can get an idea if you're picking in that draft slot, who is in the area that we like and that we don't like. Uh, All right. Oh, and then of course a prediction for first place and last place. Cause we gotta, <laughs> we gotta throw that out there at the end. All right, Dane, who is your biggest steal of this draft? Okay. So I assume we're talking about the entire draft and not my team, right? Yeah. The entire draft. Okay. So I think it was probably Dak Prescott at the eight and nine hey. turn. Honestly, like he, he was a guy I had as either my fifth or sixth quarterback off the board. Once you get past those running upside guys and Mahomes, he has shown us that he's an elite quarterback in the NFL and for him to fall just based on the fear out of injury, that's something that you won't see as weeks go on because he will trend in the right direction. Everything points to him being healthy week one, and that's not going to be a value that you're going to get two to three weeks from now. So for that reason, it's just ridiculous. You've got a very good quarterback at the eight twelve. like that's just not going to happen. And I think also just based on our league was very late on quarterback as a whole, like every quarterback was a round or two below their ADP. So I think everyone got values on quarterbacks, but for you to hammer those skill positions and lock up uh, George Kittle and then get a top quarterback at the eighth and ninth round turn, that's just pretty crazy to me. That's very good. 
Thank you for saying so. It's funny because you and I were discussing before the draft how you either go tight end or quarterback early. You can't yeah. go both. You're going to have to wait on one. And I decided to go tight end. And I expected my quarterback to be Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow, Ryan Tannehill, Tom Brady, someone in that sphere. And then I'm sitting there in the eighth round and I'm looking at Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott. And I think it really is an anomaly of our league. I don't think we're going to see this in a lot of other leagues, but, uh, I do well. I do. I appreciate you saying that. But for me, the biggest deal of the draft is a similar pick. It's Russell Wilson drafted at the nine eleven. Yeah, that was very close for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're I, probably identical. Like, they're values. pretty much identical yeah. values. But just the idea of Russell Wilson as a tenth round pick as someone like like part of what contributed to Dak's fall is the uncertainty of one, he's returning from the ankle injury and two, there's the shoulder baseball mystery injury that he seems to be recovering from fine. Um, so well, I don't really know why Russ fell. I don't know. Fell yeah. So he, far. Yeah. He should not have fallen to the nine 11. That's ridiculous. It's it, I was almost in like, I was like, should I take Russ and Dak back to back and, and have a, uh, you know, just like a monopoly on a quarter on two quarterbacks that I can maybe trade for a better starter later in the league when people are really need a quarterback. But I ultimately, that would have, I think precluded me from taking Darnell Mooney, if I'm correct. Um, yeah. And obviously I had to take PJ or, uh, excuse me, fantasy Bible draft favorite Darnell Mooney. So yeah. So Russ was my biggest value. He's, he has such a high floor and he was the last high rushing uh, floor quarterback to go drafted by our, our good friend, Ryan Daly, almost a 10th round pick. Um, you got to share Lamar Jackson at the six eleven, which is also insane, but Russell Wilson is a 10th round pick. I just can't get over that. Yeah. Um, it should never happen. <laughs> I also want to note here that I won't say this is the biggest deal, but I think it's worth noting. I got Amari Cooper at 412 and CD Lamb at, went at 35. I am higher on CD Lamb than Amari Cooper, no doubt. But there's a good chance that they're almost equivalent assets in this offense. And the ADP flip has been something that you have to take advantage of and grab Amari Cooper when he falls to you in the late fourth round or even early fourth round. Would you agree with that? Dane? Yeah. Yeah. I wholeheartedly agree. Amari Cooper was a guy I was looking at the three, four turn before his injury fears crept up. And, you know, like if we were drafting three weeks from now, it seems like Amari is trending in the right direction. I believe he just returned to practice in some capacity. So it looks good for him to return week one, uh, but yeah, uh, he should have been going at the beginning of the fourth round probably at the latest, I would take him over Chris Godwin, Robert Woods, Julio Jones, DJ Moore. And those are all the receivers that went in the early fourth round for us. So the fact that he fell just based on the injury concerns that we had based on our time of a draft. So yeah, that's crazy. Like he's a bona fide wide receiver one at worst. He's like a wide receiver 17 overall on the year. Agreed. Agreed. All right. So moving into the biggest reach of the draft, I actually have the same person making the biggest steal of the draft and the biggest reach of the draft. So if you flip flop these picks, it actually looks pretty great. Good. The team that drafted Russell Wilson at the nine 11 drafted Noah Fant at the five. <laughs> yes, that, that was a close runner up for my reach and I'll get into that later, but you can expound upon that. So Noah Fant is your typical high upside athletic incredibly fast tight end 
that's either mired in a situation where he hasn't shown his talent yet, or in a situation where the offense just hasn't shown production, uh, like in Denver, where they don't have a solid quarterback situation. You have Teddy Bridgewater, T- Teddy Bridgewater, check down Supreme, and you have uh, Drew, Drew Locke. Locke, who does have an arm, can make big plays, but is not a consistent playmaker and does have make a lot of turnovers. So we don't know what to think about Denver going into the year. And I do, uh, I have invested in two Denver players on my roster, but Noah Fan is not one I would have invested in. And he went in the fifth round. Uh, I don't know if it's technically a reach, but it's just a strategy that I'm not taking because you have to be insanely high on any of these mid-round tight ends to draft them over Jamar Chase or OBJ, Corlin Sutton, Chase Claypool, you know, it's just not a team building strategy that I agree with. And that's why I have it as my highest reach of the draft, because I don't think you can expect even wide receiver two level production out of Noah fan, which is what you're drafting in that range or, or at least shooting to draft. Yeah, I agree entirely with that. I think he's, he's like a landmine in your draft just because he's ranked at a certain ADP and tight end. Like he's either the six or seven on a lot of people's boards, which I think is probably a, at his ceiling. He's the six or seven and anything can go wrong. He could be the tight end 14. Like th- there's no guarantee at all with him as a tight end on your weekly roster. Like I think if you draft him, you're still going to be streaming tight end. So to draft him at the five eleven is kind of ridiculous. I think it's just, you're hoping for the best and now you need the best to happen to make that worthwhile. Yeah. Sorry, Ryan. Yeah, it's um, okay. All right, who do you have as your biggest reach of the draft? I'm pretty sure I know who it's going to be. You Given absolutely do. <laughs> everyone's immediate reaction to this pick and the debates that ensued. Uh, why don't you go ahead? All right, it was the 410 pick. It was DJ Chark. So he went ahead of Cooper Cup. He went ahead of Amari Cooper, Tyler Lockett, Deontay Johnson, Adam Thielen, T. Higgins. The list goes on for a while before he's on my board. (laughs) And I just will save you the trouble, but very, very bold move by our friend Maximilian. Um, I don't think he made a million with that pick, but it, you know, we could be eating our words, but I think the chances are very low of that. You could have got him in the next round, probably even the sixth round. I think that he should have gone in the sixth or seventh round is where he probably should be going. Max had a good draft, though. He he drafted around that strategy of DJ Chark by picking up quite a few receivers that have a lot of upside. Yeah, he did not tank his draft, but he could have if he didn't, you know, perform well. I think Kyle Pitts is also a guy on his roster at the five, three, like, I don't know. I looked at that a long time and I was like, do I, do I love this? Or am I like, this could sink everything here. I guess that's, that is the, the epitome of Kyle Pitts is we don't know what he's going to be. And if he's even 75% of what he could be, then it's an incredible pick, especially from a, like, well, this is a keeper league. So that's fair. Yeah. If Kyle Pitts is what he's drafted to be by the Atlanta Falcons, then he's a guy that's going to be going in the third round. Like we saw Kittle and Waller this year. So he could keep him in the fourth round for a value next year based on the keeper settings. Um, yeah, but I, I just have a problem with Kyle Pitts because he's being drafted at his ceiling. Essentially he mathematically has to have a rookie 
record-breaking year as at tight end to meet that draft position. He would have to have about 800 yards and six touchdowns and about 65 receptions, which is possible, but it's you're drafting him to be the greatest rookie tight end of all time. Yeah, and, and talking about tight end here, it is crazy. Like We had Travis Kelsey goes in the first, then we have Kittle and Waller in the third, and then in the fifth round, four tight ends go. Pitts, mm-hmm. Andrews, Hawkinson, Fan. I think you can justify all of these more than fan, but I, I don't love any of them, but Pitts is the one I, I feel best about personally, because it is the insane upside of what if this guy is just filling a wide receiver role in this offense and just the delivers on the freak nature of his athletic upside. Yeah. There is certainly a path to success there. I'm just not willing to bet on it at the price. Agreed. Okay. Um, so do you want to talk any more about DJ Chark and why you're not a fan of this pick? Um, just because we, I think everyone's drafting him based on what he did in 2019. He showed that he had the potential to be a wide receiver one in the NFL. He had some great boom weeks. He finished, I think maybe as a top 20 wide receiver that year. And then 2020, he was injured a lot. And even when he was healthy, he did not really perform great. And now there's a new, you know, stud quarterback, number 101 overall, Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer, new head coach. And they drafted a running back and they acquired Marvin Jones and they have LaVisca Chenault as a second year wide receiver that they will use a lot. There's just so many question marks surrounding what, where the ball will go on that offense. And also how good that offense will truly be. Like they probably will be in negative game scripts a lot. So that, you know, bodes well for the passing offense, but that doesn't mean to me that DJ Shark is solidified as the wide receiver one there. It could be Chanel. It could be Marvin Jones, just based on the head coach and the quarterback, not having rapport or experience with any of them. And Marvin Jones was the first guy that they picked up in the off season. So they clearly wanted a veteran uh, wide receiver in that offense, whether that's to mentor or whether that's as a fail safe option. I just think that I don't have a clear picture and that's why I'm not high on DJ Chark. He's being drafted around guys that I'd much rather have. Yeah, I would agree. I think Chanel went three rounds later and Jones went five rounds later. And those are two guys that could finish above DJ Chark. Like we just don't know. And yeah, uh, yeah, I like DJ Chark's talent two years ago, but this coaching staff seems very high on Chanel and they brought in Marvin Jones. That can't be discounted. Like, you know, Urban Meyer is going to favor the guys that he brought in specifically to do something. And then, you know, Etienne is going to take snaps as well. I think you might've said that already, but um, yeah. All right. Moving on. Let's talk about our own drafts, Dane, because we're, you know, self-indulgent. Which of your picks are you most excited about? It's very clear to me, Najee Harris. The rookie fever is just something that is unparalleled in fantasy. Like it's sometimes a death knell. Like you can get burned very easily by, you know, overdrafting a rookie. But I drafted Najee Harris as my running back too, which is where I would only want him. Um, and, you know, this guy's the limit. He's going to be on the, the field for three downs every drive. Uh, I don't see any problem with his workload. It's, you know, the only questions you can say is, is the offense overall going to be good? Their offensive line is likely going to be worse than last year based on their offseason moves. But I don't really factor that in a whole lot because you've seen guys like Saquon Barkley go at the top of drafts and prove that he's worth it. And he had a terrible offensive line. Joe Mixon went um, ahead of Najee Harris in last year and the year before that's draft. Like it's not a prerequisite to having fantasy production, but it certainly is 
a good thing to see. So I'm not really counting that too much, but I think that, you know, Najee Harris will have the passing workload. He will have the rushing workload. He'll have the goal line touches. He's not contested for any of that. And that's what I love about it. He is predicted to be a three down back and you did what I would have done in your position. So you're at the one eight, you're drafting on the turn at the two five. Najee Harris is there. Calvin Ridley is there. How close were you to going Ridley over Harris? Ridley is a guy that I did mock draft a lot. Um, and I never loved who I got in the third round as a running back. So that was my, that was what decided it for me because I knew I could get a wide receiver that I was comfortable with as my wide receiver one, but might not have top five upside. Like I got Keenan Allen in the third who will not finish as a top five wide receiver, but he should finish as a top 12 at worst 15. So just based on volume and what he is in that offense with uh, Justin Herbert. So that was the difference maker. It was like a roster construction question for me. Calvin Ridley, I do have as my wide receiver four. So he is the guy I was looking at there. I wasn't going to reach for Kittle or, or uh, Waller there, but it was when Stefan Diggs was there one pick before me, that's that who I, been really tough. Yeah. And it was an auto pick for Jacob. And I fully agree with that pick. He would have been mine as well, but I would have got Chris Carson in the third, who is probably the last guy that I'd be comfortable with but i'm not excited about that at all i'm much more excited to have Najee harris and keenan allen yeah i would agree I, the fact that keenan allen fell to you in the third is is beautiful because you got one of our top 10 wide you know our top 10 wide receivers as your wide receiver one so mm-hmm. yeah compared to chris carson who is probably there's a bigger gap between Najee harris and chris carson than calvin ridley and keenan allen is probably the best way to sum up that situation yeah and that's why how you always go running back running back yeah, I was too scared that I would not get a solid RB2 there. Okay, so uh, aside from George Kittle, who by default I have to be excited for because of the running back, running back tight end move that I made, I would say that Tyler, Tyler Lockett is mm. the pick that I'm most excited about because there's just something to me exciting about the wide receiver two position. Like, I don't know, it's, there's not as much, much risk in scouting it and, and drafting it as your wide receiver one and it changes throughout the season and you can just get wide receiver one production out of it. It's just a fun prediction uh, position for me to try and figure out. And I went with Tyler Lockett over two players that I had ranked higher than Tyler Lockett on my list, which were T Higgins and Adam Thielen. And I did that because at the end of the day, I wanted some stability in terms of overall finish and role in the offense. And I'm very excited about the Shane Waldron system that they're bringing in to Seattle, which is a Sean McVay based offense, a lot of horizontal uh, timing based West coast routes, which Tyler Lockett should really excel. At. He talked about in an interview, how you really have to be, uh, you know, intelligent and grasp these routes because it, it relies a lot on overall concepts and it relies a lot on the receiver to make the, decisions on how they're going to move from point A to point B. And I just think that we know that Tyler Lockett is a solid route runner and a security blanket for Russell Wilson in this offense. And in the past couple of years, he's really stepped up from the first three years of his career. They weren't great, but he's been a solid wide receiver too. He's actually had a wide receiver one finish the past two years. So um, getting him as a wide receiver two with wide receiver one potential in the stability of the Seattle offense is something I'm really excited about, especially with Amari Cooper as my wide receiver one, who is a, you know, a player that's in an explosive offense, but has shown to be a little more, more of a boom bust player in the past. 
Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I didn't expect that to be your pick, but I think it's, it's a very, it makes a lot of sense. Like Tyler Lockett did finish as the wide receiver nine last year. And a lot of people are sour on him just because of his boom and boom and bust uh, streaks. Like he had a 43 point week, which was one of the top five all time fantasy weeks by a wide receiver. And then he had a couple of weeks below five points. So I expect that to level out based on what we've heard out of the Seattle camp. Like you're talking about, they're trying to do a lot more short, uh, short yardage passing work. And that will be all Tyler Lockett. <laughs> Who so. did you think my pick was going to be there? I was curious. Cause it was very close to being Adam Thielen. Um, and T Higgins, of course, was in the mix. It was just such a reach on T Higgins. Yeah. It was a bit of a reach on T Higgins there, but if, if it were me, I would have gone Deontay Johnson ahead of him but not by much. And then honestly, yeah, I had T Higgins ranked above both those guys. So it would have been T Higgins for me, but I'm just kind of way too high on T Higgins. And yeah, I expect- see, I drafted with my head instead of my heart. And that's why. And, I and that's what you should have done yeah. that. Yeah. At your position, it makes the most sense to go that with already a wide receiver one on your roster. And you know, I'm not a Deontay Johnson fan. So he was right. never in the picture for me, but yeah. I think he went immediately after I picked Tyler Lockett. Yeah. The next pick. Yeah. Yep. Um, all right. So which of your picks are you least excited about? Uh, it's probably Melvin Gordon just because I really wanted Javante Williams, the rookie running back on the Denver Broncos. The betting odds are that Javante Williams will have more yardage, more touches. More... Javante Williams? It was you. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, how about that? Yeah. How about that? We've talked a lot about him on the podcast and please draft him as your bench running back. Cause when the year is pulling up to playoffs, he's going to be the guy that's going to potentially win you that playoff he's going matchup. To be that JK Dobbins, that miles Sanders, that last eight week of the season mm-hmm. guy that just comes on strong and, and dominates at the end. Once he figures out how to run through the tackles in the NFL, which judging by the preseason game, maybe he's already figured it out. Yeah. It's very possible that he just starts the year as the better running back and gets more touches off the bat. And that's what scares me about Melvin Gordon. Like I took him at the seven Oh eight. So I think that's a fine pick, but I'm not excited about it. I just needed running back depth. I only had my two starters and the running backs were drying up very quickly. Uh, you know, after Melvin Gordon at that point, it was looking like Damian Harris, Leonard Fournette, and then unproven guys, David Johnson. It was just murky and terrible after that. So I, I figured it was the best pick for my roster construction at that point. I needed just in case something happens, I needed somebody who's getting touches. Yeah. I mean, I I looked pretty hard at your draft after this and there wasn't really any decision I disagreed with and including this one of the, of the running backs that were there, especially since Trey Sermon went, the only one that was debatable for me is Michael Carter, who debatably has just as much upside as Javante Williams, but conceivably he was supposed to go a round or two later. Mm-hmm. I certainly didn't think he was going to go. He went and Melvin Gordon went at the seven, eight marker. Michael Carter went at the eight one. So they went very close to each other, but yeah, I mean, I, I like Melvin Gordon for, you know, they're paying him a good amount of money. And for me, a lot of the reason I picked Javante Williams is where this is a keeper league. So if I can keep him for the next few years as a starting running back in, you know, the fifth and fourth round that, uh, that's, yeah. that, that's very, you know, uh, that could pay dividends. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so that's something to be very excited about. Um, but yeah. All right. And in terms of who I'm least excited about, I think, you know, it's Joe Mixon. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> you were cursing everyone. Like, how did you let him fall to me at the two twelve? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it, I mean, it's like, I, I feel like I spent all this podcast off season talking about how I, I don't like Joe Mixon. And I wasn't going to draft Joe Mixon. And I really like, I, I was like Swifter Dobbins. Like I'm happy with Swifter Dobbins. There's no way so either Swift Dobbins or CEH. One of those three is going to follow me and it'll probably be Dobbins. Cause who's going to draft the guy that doesn't cast pet cast basket. <laughs> We're going to have to work on this. You can never say that. <laughs> you know, uh, he doesn't have, who doesn't have any receiving work in the Baltimore offense. Um, for, oh, the Baltimore offense, which by the way, it doesn't have any, much receiving output to begin with. So I thought for sure I would get JK Dobbins as a solid wide receiver two situation. And I wouldn't have to have Joe Mixon, but he falls to me at the 212. And maybe I should be grateful for that because maybe it's like that's where he belongs at the 212. Yeah. Um yeah, I think you have to take the value there. Like it's it's a guy who in some leagues is going at the 201. Like some people are drafting him that high. At the turn. Yeah, he's going at the turn in a lot yeah. of leagues. And when you're drafting in the first couple rounds, if a player falls a couple spots, that's like a big deal. So down work, passing work, no Giovanni Bernard. Yeah. It's if he's just, healthy, yeah. If he's so healthy, he's a lock. Yeah. 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 Um, so I'm I, I he's just a player that I owned last year and was miserable owning. Yeah. And um, have seen other people been miserable owning in the past. But the thing is, I didn't invest like an insane pick in him. Although I did, it was between Joe Mixon and Justin Jefferson at that pick. Um, and then obviously David Montgomery was in the mix, but I'm not super high on David Montgomery. So I went with Joe Mixon because I believe in the running back, running back construction. And I thought there would be a good wide receiver coming around to me at, at the 412. And there wasn't Amari Cooper. So it all worked out. But man, am I uh, <laughs> low on Joe Mixon? And it, that's more of a, I don't know, I just, that's more of an experience thing than a uh, actual analysis thing. So which pick of yours has grown on you most since the draft? Because I'm sure you've spent some time coming over your roster and thinking about this. Yeah, it's absolutely Chase Claypool. He's a guy you hey. talked talk, you talked me into him over the course of our podcast together this year. He was not a guy I was high on coming into this offseason, but seeing the wide receivers that went off the board, it was T Higgins, Deontay Johnson and Adam Thielen. Those are guys I would have taken above him, even probably Brandon Ayuk. but all those guys were gone. And Chase Claypool had by far the most upside on the rest of the board for me. Like it was after I took Chase Claypool, it went OBJ, Cortland Sutton, Jalen Waddle, Tyler Boyd. Over Cortland Sutton. Like, cause that, I'm it was sure a that big was decision. Yeah. That was my big decision. And I actually did like have to look up his injury report to just see what was going on. And it was still just talk of, we think he's on track. So I didn't, he was still, is not practicing. So I'm like, ah, and then I think like two days later, he's practicing again. So I'm like, maybe I would have done it differently. And also Julak potentially looks good in preseason, but I'm very happy with Chase Claypool because I think he has that X factor, that true talent that he could be like that game breaking wide receiver for this Pittsburgh offense that when they need a big play, it's him. They gave him some goal line run rushing touches, which is pretty cool. Um, I did stack him with Najee Harris. So that's like, I really kind of need the Pittsburgh offense to be, to be good, good yeah. <laughs> which a lot of conjecture around this off season is that they won't be good. At least that's like a neg that, people are saying about this offense that bad they could just, line, yeah. yeah, they could just fall off, but we saw them with a the bad offensive line last year and they adapted. They got the ball out in two seconds, every single play with Ben Roethlisberger. Productive. 
Right. They were a top passing offense. So I do feel good about it. He's a, I think a big upside play and upside is what I wanted out of my wide receiver three. So I'm all in on Claypool now. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I, I love Chase Claypool. I would have taken him in that position. Odell Beckham and Cortland Sutton, the two guys that went right after would have been very tempting to me, Yeah, but uh, I was very bummed that Cortland Sutton fell, but of course, Jay, who always drafts very savvily did yeah. not let that happen. Um, for me though, I think it's funny. It's, it's Jerry Judy. It's my wide receiver three. It's the player that I drafted, uh, who I, I was eyeing drafting a wide receiver three at that position. Uh, at the seven one, I really thought Devonte Smith was going to be there, but, uh, Danny went ahead and drafted him at the six three. So he wasn't there. Yeah. So I drafted Jerry Judy. And, uh, I've just been reading things about his off season since then. And now, you know, the, the route running was on par with what we expected from Jerry Judy last year, but the catch percentage was way down below 50%. And part of that is just being in a bad offense. And part of that is, you know, maybe rookie Judy is just problems adjusting to the NFL, but we're hearing great things out of it from Jerry Judy out of camp. And while I'm not high on the Denver offense, I'm very high on Jerry Judy's ability to, uh, you know, take on oh, at least a 1A, 1B role and deliver a top 36 wide receiver finish, which is all we need from the wider three, wide receiver three position. Yeah, I like that pick. I would prefer him if I could somehow get him as my wide receiver four, just because I want to see it happen before I plug him in. Because we're in a three wide receiver league, so you're all you're pretty much pigeonholed into starting him, which is fine. But it might not have a floor if it doesn't pan out. So that's the only that's like the one roster critique I could possibly make about yours is that your wide receiver three might not be solid, but you drafted accordingly and have some upside guys on the bench. So it's yeah. it, it's going to be fine. I feel confident in Darnell Mooney. I wish Mike Williams had made it there. Um, but yeah, the, the, the guys that went after Juju, Juju Weiner, and I stared at Juju's name for a long time, but I didn't let it lull me into uh, temptation. Uh, Juju is the siren song. Stay away from Juju. <laughs> uh, but LaVisca Chenault and Antonio Brown were the two players that I almost drafted over Jerry Judy. And I went, no, I'm going to go with the first round pedigree. But Antonio Brown in the wide receiver three spot, you can't hate that because that's what, what that's his position on the Bucks, and he's going to pr- produce in that position. So mm-hmm. uh, I was also kind of bummed he didn't make it back to me. But we're in a savvy league, and these guys go early. So yeah. Um, that that is the guy that's grown most on me. All right, let's talk about macro trends, Dane. I think uh, quarterback is the one we should talk about first. Quarterback fell dramatically, except for Patrick Mahomes. He went around where, like you know, he was expected to go in most drafts at the three seven, um, middle of third round. But yeah, everyone else dropped pretty significantly. Yeah, that's exactly the the trend that surprised me the most. That's what I wrote up as well. Like across the board, every single fantasy manager was drafting quarterbacks late, which kind of equalized the board because everyone got a value at quarterbacks. So it's not like, it's not like quarterbacks fell to an extent. And then there was a run on quarterbacks and only the first couple people got a value. It was, you know, I drafted Josh Allen at the five Oh eight Kyler Murray went at the five ten, And that's probably like as late as they will go in most drafts. And then I was feeling pretty good about that. I thought there'd be a lot more mid-round quarterbacks going, 
But then Lamar went at the six eleven a whole round later. Dak at the eight twelve. Yeah, Lamar and Dak. That's just yeah. Crazy. Like, Nobody how did went. Dak not go in the seventh? How did people stand there and draft Damian Harris over <laughs> Dak? Not to hate on Jacob, but uh, like because I guess he needed Damian Harris, and Damian Harris has a lot of upside. But Divas, well. I guess you can explain all these picks, but it was just crazy to see these quarterbacks fall so far. Yeah. That's what, yeah. How consistent it was is what surprised me. I wouldn't be surprised if a couple of them fell, but Russell Wilson at the nine 11, like I really wish I waited, but I can't know that at the five Oh eight. So, you know, early in the draft, I'm thinking I have a phenomenal value at quarterback. I have a guy who could finish as potentially the top quarterback in the league, Josh Allen. But then Russell Wilson goes at the 9-11, who I would be more than fine with starting every single week. And I could have gotten a wide receiver or running back at the 508. Even TJ Hawkinson was there. So, yeah. Speaking of Jacob's team, like I knew something was off when he got Justin Herbert at the 8-4. Because to me, it was like, all right, Justin Herbert's my seventh-rate quarterback, and he's not making it out of the seventh round. And that's how I know that the quarterbacks are going as they should. And then when he fell, I was like, who saw on the board here? And I saw Russell Wilson. And I saw Tom Brady. And, yeah, it, it, it was just uh, these quarterbacks fell for sure. And a lot of people doubled up on rookie quarterbacks is another trend I saw. Like Zach, who drafted Pat Mahomes, also picked up Justin Fields. And Danny, who drafted Kyler Murray, also picked up Trevor Lawrence. Uh, the You drafted Trey Lance and Josh Allen. So I, I saw that as a big trend across the board as well. Yeah, yeah. I think what I pref- what I planned on doing was draft a quarterback in the mid to late rounds, like a Tom Brady in the eighth or a Matt Stafford in the ninth, something like that, and then get Trey Lance as a potential you know ceiling play. But I still I'll wanted him. Fifth. I mean, that's yeah. Yeah, I didn't need to draft Trey Lance. It was it was just an emotional pick. Like I think he will be fantasy gold, and once he starts playing for the 49ers, if you know, it's not a sure thing, but I assume I'm planning on him starting a few weeks into the season. And when he does, I think he'll be great. And then I can keep him in the eighth round next year. That was my play. If we were not in a keeper league, I probably wouldn't have since I had a top quarterback in Josh Allen, but I don't want to keep Josh Allen as a fourth round pick. I'd rather keep Trey Lance as an eighth round pick. And then I can construct my roster according to that. Absolutely. It's a, it's a solid move for next year. Um, the other, uh, I had two other takeaways. One was the people were a lot higher on the steals of the draft than I anticipated. To just to walk down Mitchell Latzman's roster, uh, he drafts Barkley in the first, not a move I love, but then he goes Swift, who I was high on, Lamb at 3 5, who I was high on, Etienne, who I loved and who I really wanted in the fourth, Higgins, Waddle, Sermon. Like, from the ran, the run from Swift to Sermon is just a run of, of like high upside players that should have been distributed more evenly yeah. throughout the draft. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Lats is not the guy who I thought would be sniping me every round. <laughs> but <laughs> C- C- yeah, I was prepared to take CeeDee Lamb as my wide receiver one at the 308, which I'm glad Keenan Allen fell because he was neck and neck with CeeDee Lamb on my board. But CeeDee Lamb had been falling you know, to the end of the third and he did not three Oh five is probably the soonest you'll see him in most drafts. And that's fine. Take your shot. I get it. He's a hype candidate and Lats is quick to hype the younger players. As we see with Travis Etienne, the next round T Higgins, who I also wanted in the fifth round, didn't get him. Uh, Jalen Waddle went six Oh eight to Lats. Trey Sermon went seven, five. Like I wanted CD lamb T Higgins and Trey Sermon in my, 
in my team and I did not get any of them. They all went to less, but he sure. drafted, he drafted a bit above their ADP. So he's, you know, he's buying them for a little pricier than I wanted to. So I can't really be upset. I just, those were guys I wanted, you know, I agree. I mean, I was going to draft them. He sniped me. Well, except for CD lamb. Like I knew I was not getting CD lamb, but Etienne and sermon specifically, I thought were going to fall to me. I knew I wasn't going to get Higgins, but yeah, there, there, there were a couple sniping situations for sure. I mean, uh, Cooper cup went over Amari Cooper, which I wasn't expecting. And I wanted that trunk of the Rams offense, you know? Um, so, and the other, only other thing that I want to say is I feel like people listen to the fantasy Bible because I feel like there was definitely some draft moves made here in the league that reflect how high we are on certain players. I would like to think so. Yeah. I would like to think so. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Um, all right. Let's go through each t- team real quick. Let's do like a little lightning round here and we'll name our favorite pick and our least favorite pick. We'll start with me and then we'll, you know, move down the positions. Does that sound, does that sound yeah. good? Yeah. Let's go for it. All right. So my lead, my favorite pick is Javante Williams at the six twelve. It's just a great pick uh, for the outline outlined reasons beforehand. Uh, it's just going to pay out dividends in this keeper league. And my least favorite is Joe Mixon at the 212. <laughs> it's funny because you can't be upset with Joe Mixon at that draft position, but just emotionally you're upset. So it's funny. It just makes makes sense for you, but yeah, I'd be happy. It's a quote-unquote steal, but... <laughs> we'll see if you're singing a different tune in a month. But uh, uh, yeah, for you, I think it's Darnell Mooney. Wait, at the wait, 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 wait. All right, listen. If Joe Mixon is a top 12 running back, I will yeah. buy a Joe Mixon jersey. I would love that. All right, let's make that bet. Lock it in. that in stone. Okay, okay. That's fair. Uh, Darnell Mooney is my favorite pick on your team at the 901. He's your bench wide receiver who I think, like next year, I think we're drafting Darnell Mooney in the fourth or fifth round. Like right. I, think, I think that's a he lock. He could end up being the keeper instead of Williams because I can get him in the eighth. Absolutely. And Allen Robinson is franchise tagged. So if Darnell Mooney does fall out this year, they're probably going to let Allen Robinson find a new team and they'll cast Darnell Mooney as the wide receiver one on that offense. And that's what I think is going to happen. They have Justin Fields on that team. So he's going to take over for Andy Dalton. Don't tell Andy Dalton. He thinks it's his time now, but it's not. It's uh, Justin Fields is actually the guy. So uh, yeah, there's a lot of upside with that pick. And I think it pans out. Uh, My least favorite. It's probably Matt Ryan, but yeah. it makes sense because the day we drafted, we don't do did not have anything close to confirmation that Dak Prescott will play. It's trending that way. It's still not a lock to happen. So Matt Ryan was the probably highest ranked quarterback on the board when you drafted him. So I can't fault that. It's just very unexciting. Like he's a quarterback who can have an 11 point week or a 24 point week. Well, we want to talk about who's there. Jalen Hurts was there. Burrow was there. Lawrence and Lance were there. There were really high upside players that I could have taken from the keeper's perspective. Um, but I needed someone that was going to start week one yeah. in, in a potentially high powered offense. And I also noted that they were starting against the Eagles, which is much as I love my Eagles, I think they're going to have an improved secondary. Don't think they're going to have like a, one of the top secondaries in the league or anything like that factor in the Arthur Smith offense. And I was like, yeah, okay. I can get a couple games out of Matt Ryan. Maybe I'll be surprised. And Matt Ryan can give me a season if Dak Prescott, you know, if everything goes terribly wrong. So yeah, I agree. Not an exciting pick. 
but one that I felt I had to make. All right. Let's talk about Grant. For me, it was Lamar Jackson at the 611. It's my favorite pick. Yeah, that's my favorite as well. You yeah, can't hard, knock that yeah, at all. can't knock yeah. that. I mean, what else do we say? The guy's got like a thousand yard rushing floor, pretty much. Yeah. Um, he's going to be an RB2 plus a QB, oh, yeah, a top 12 quarterback. I mean, you, 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 you love Lamar Jackson. You hope to get him in the fifth round. You're lucky to get him in the fifth, and he falls to the 611. Just crazy. Uh, I was at the sitting there at the six twelve, and I would have loved to take him, but if that, the way it worked out, I'm all right with it, but love the Lamar Jackson pick least favorite pick Ronald Jones, the next pick he makes. Yeah, that's fair. I just um, yeah. didn't think Ronald Jones has a lot has a ton of upside in that offense. And then you talk about some of the guys that went after and Trey Sermon, I'm higher on. James Robinson was a top five running back last year. Like take a chance on James Robinson, somehow repeating that Etienne is a rookie as high as I'm like, we're low on Robinson for obvious reasons, but in the seventh round, I do like Mia Robinson. Um, Yeah. Melvin Gordon, I'm higher on than Jones and Michael Carter. I would have taken for the upside. So not a big fan of Jones in that spot personally. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Especially since they brought in Bernard to do more pass catching work. Right. We saw the abysmal attempts at pass catching out of Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette drops all around. You are certain that Tom Brady was very pissed off about that. And that's why they brought in Gio Bernard. He's going to have that third down role locked up. So Ronald Jones doesn't have nearly the upside he did last year. And I think he went even around before this last year. So it's, it's maybe the spot where he should be going, but I don't think that's where I would ever draft him. I'd, I'd get him in the eighth round around David Johnson. Uh, for me, my favorite pick I said was Lamar Jackson as well. Six eleven. That's pretty crazy. He probably won't see that in the most single quarterback leagues. He should be going in the fifth, the latest probably. Uh, Marquise Brown though, is not a guy I want on any roster. No matter what this team does not throw the ball enough. The Ravens have, they're going to throw the ball 450 times at most they drafted Rashad Bateman, who is sidelined with an injury for probably eight weeks or so. But they also have Sammy Watkins, who they brought in. They already have Mark Andrews. There's just no way that he has week-to-week value. And as his fifth wide receiver, it makes sense to put him on your bench. Maybe it happens. Maybe they throw more. Maybe he takes a step forward. But he just hasn't been a proven week-to-week asset. And I don't think his upside is worth putting in your lineup just because his floor is nothing. I would agree with that. I, I looked at that a lot and thought about, considered that as well. It was just so late. I, I went with the higher pick. Um, I'm going to fly through some of these a little quickly. Max, uh, my favorite pick of Max's was Jalen Rager at the 13-3, just because like he had an insane highlight reel catch like two days after we drafted that I feel like that catch alone probably lifted his ADP like two rounds. So probably. Uh, <laughs> so I thought Jalen Rager was a great pick. And then my least favorite pick was DJ Chark. Yeah. My favorite was Robbie Anderson. He's a guy I would love as my wide receiver three, but I had Chase Claypool spot ahead of him. Uh, and Robbie went in the six, six, 10. Yeah. yeah so solid. yeah, Robbie Anderson was a guy that sometimes I would get at the seventh round, which is awesome. I would love that, but it didn't happen. So I think that's a great pick as your wide receiver three. You'll need it when you had BJ Tark as your wide receiver two, but <laughs> running back to, yeah. Or wide receiver two. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Right. And then, uh, well, my, yeah, my least favorite was DJ Tark. Yeah. Um, all right. Brandon Waller at the three, four. Waller's healthy. I, I, if I knew and had known Waller was healthy, I probably would have taken him over Kittle. 
So I, I love Waller and he opts to take Waller over a running back and still lands Mike Davis, who, who you got to love at, as, you know, an RB2 when you have Kamara as your RB1. Yeah. Yeah, Darren Waller is also my favorite pick on his roster. Uh, least favorite pick was David Johnson for the aforementioned reasons on yeah. David Johnson. He yeah, was, he went at the eight, eight, nine, right? Yeah, the eight or nine, and he is probably not worth even like an eleventh round pick at this point. Um, but we didn't really have solid confirmation then. But the rumors were spreading that he is not the guy there. So I think that was probably on Brandon. He could have done a little more research, could have listened to a little more fantasy Bible podcasts. You know, what absolutely. I'm we and were he would that early. Yeah, he would have known. I don't think he, we were. <laughs> well, I mentioned it in the news a week ago. But oh, all right, all right. Yeah, yeah Brandon, listen to the news. <laughs> My least favorite pick. So this guy has Darren Waller in the 304. That's not good enough, right? He drafts Dallas Goddard at the 1009. <laughs> All right. There's and, some upside there if they yeah, trade Ertz. Yeah. And then he drafts Tim Tebow, Tim Tebow. in the last round. That. Why do you need three tight ends, <laughs> let alone a guy who is never going to play? Tim Tebow. All right. Yeah. That, that's I think all the, uh, Juice was flowing at that point. All right. <laughs> uh, Latsman. Latsman had one of those drafts that I loved, but could be catastrophic. My favorite pick was Etienne at the 4-8. That is who I was going to select at the 4-12 if he was there. I just love him as an RB2 with a ton of upside. You can keep him next year for a third. I think he'll be going in the second next year. Um, what? Who was your favorite pick on Latsman's roster? Higgins in the fifth uh, round makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it could easily be Trey Sermon in the seventh because Trey Sermon is who I was going to draft three picks later, and I was very sad. He was my ideal running back three. Nice and uh, least favorite for me was Waddle at the six eight. This is uh, this guy is a Dolphins fan, and this was clearly a Dolphins fan reach. Uh, I like Waddle, but I don't think he's going to make that big of an impact. Mm-hmm. At, at the spot where he was taken, especially compared to the receivers, he was taken around like uh, Tyler Boyd, Robbie Anderson, uh, Juju, LaVisca Chanel, Mike Williams. I think all these guys, Curtis Samuel, I, I, I think all of them have more potential than Jalen Waddle this year. I'm just not super high on him as a rookie, although from Dynasty, obviously, he could be well worth a fifth round pick next year. Yeah, I think he reached around early on Waddle, but that's kind of what you have to do if you really want your guy. Um, for me, it was easily Van Jefferson, my least favorite in the 10 oh, Yeah, I was like, what? He, he, he's like a 15th round, late round flyer because he won't be a startable asset outside of injury unless there's something crazy going on in the Rams offense that I'm not aware of that somehow he's going to be the solid wide receiver too ahead of Mike Williams and competing with Tyler Higby. Like, I don't, I don't see that panning out. I mean, you mean uh, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods? Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry. What I didn't mean Noah fan. I meant um, Tyler Higby and yeah, Cooper Cup, yeah. Robert Woods. Like yeah. there, there are easily three guys ahead of him for pass catching work. All right. Moving on to Jay. Uh, my favorite pick was Corlin Sutton at the six seven, and yeah. Um. Yeah, that's probably mine as well. But I also liked his. His uh, Ryan Tannehill at the ten oh seven, but yeah. like just to go with the quarterback trend that we saw, like Ryan Tannehill is a guy taking the eighth, depending on how quarterbacks were drafted. I think he's he was my running uh, quarterback nine on the year, like for yeah. my projections. Tannehill should finish like right around where he was drafted. Like he's he's going to be very reliable. That's a great RB one situation. And then Sutton, uh, we're just very high on him because he like showed insane athletic ability two years ago. 
uh, and he was just drafted, you know, in, in, in that high upside wide receiver two, three range. So he could, he could end up easily having a top 24 finish, which is great in the mid sixth round. Um, I gotta be honest. There's not really a bad pick. There's not a pick that I disagree with on this team. I would agree. There's no standout bad pick. <laughs> the, the only one I can make a case for is Amon Ross St. Brown. That offense is going to be terrible. I don't think, I don't think he's the guy. I think it's Hawkinson as the top pass catcher there, but honestly the 13th round, you can't knock that pick. He's taking a shot. He has upside. So I get it. He could be the wide receiver one there. Yeah, I think that's fair. All right. Good job, Jay. Good job, Jay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Zach, my favorite pick for Zach was Julio Jones. Really? Okay. Yeah. Fourth round Julio Jones, four Oh six. That's pretty good yeah, for me. Round, Julio Jones. Uh, you gotta live that. Yeah. For me, it was probably him being savvy enough to take Aaron Jones at the one Oh seven, because that's who I wanted. He's going to get crazy touchdowns. We saw what they did last year. He's going to get the pass catching work. They don't have Jamal Williams there to kind of take some of that third down work. They do have AJ Dillon, but he's not going to be catching passes. It's going to be more. So Aaron Jones catching passes passes are typically worth about three times uh, what a rushing attempt is worth. So that's, you know, the upside is there for Aaron Jones. I had to go Nick Chubb because he was the next guy on my board, but that's, that's, I think a great pick by Zach. Yeah. He was talking to me about Aaron Jones before the draft. I think uh, Jay has probably, or Grant rather has probably rubbed off on him a bit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just think it was good value for Julio. I mean, this is a hall of fame wide receiver in what could be a very powerful offense. Uh, he was my 14th receiver and he was taking it as the 16th receiver. So not a huge disparity there, but I, I still like Julio there. My least favorite, I think we'll have the same least favorite, especially considering how quarterbacks fell in this draft. And that's Patrick Mahomes at the three, seven. Right. Which is crazy because that's probably still below average. It's and still a good pick. Yeah. It's not a bad pick, but it's a bad pick in the context of how this draft went with quarterbacks. Right. Two rounds later, he could have got his pick of Josh Allen or Kyler Murray. And then instead of them, he could have either gotten Chris Carson or a uh, Keenan Allen, Allen Robinson, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. Like there were some great wide receivers on the board there. And, you know, you can't knock him for taking a value, which I do think Patrick Holmes is technically a value there, yeah. but I would not have taken him. I would have let him fall. Yeah. It just goes against our principles of like, don't take the highest quarterback that he's drafting them at their ceiling. Take a quarterback that can rise up. All right. Um, yeah. I mean, Russell Wilson, six rounds later, I rather have that. Yeah. That's wild. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes. Um, all right. Dane, I think it's pretty obvious. Chase Claypool is my favorite pick here. All right. That's fair. I like that. Who, who's your least favorite on my roster? I don't really have a least favorite pick, but the only, I think, different decision I would have made is I would have drafted Michael Carter over Melvin Gordon. Okay. That's fair. I I'm just concerned about that whole jets running back room, but obviously Michael Carter could be the guy that just, you know, takes that role. So I get it. I would have drafted him in the eighth if it came to that. But for me, my favorite pick was, uh, it's easy to say that it was Najee Harris, but I think that's about where I would take him. I don't think it's super exciting. I didn't get a great value, but I think Josh Allen, just cause I had him on my team last year and mm -hmm. it was so, great so crazy on Josh Allen. Yeah. I'm happy. Like in the first five rounds, I wanted to either get a tight end in the third round or a top quarterback in the top six rounds. So I, you know, I made my call there. I wanted a guy to set me apart at that position and I got him and I'll be so happy that he's in my lineup every single week. Absolutely. And 
My least favorite was honestly Logan Thomas, just because I hate drafting. <laughs> I just hate drafting the mid round tight ends. Like yeah. he could, he could be the tight end 15 this year and that'll burn me later. And I could have, I really wanted Curtis Samuel, but he's been having a groin injury in camp. So it's was I just, I just got, in your ear at that pick, like saying draft Michael Thomas or no, uh, Logan Thomas. <laughs> no, you were not, but he was, he was my tight end seven on the whole board. And I knew he wouldn't come back to me. We right. saw two two more tight ends go after that. And I really wanted Curtis Samuel as my wide receiver four. I was just scared. I, I made a, you know, a soft play there. I, I really would rather have Curtis Samuel. Yeah, it's understood. And I do think Logan Thomas has a, a decent ceiling, but yeah, he's, he's one of those mid round tight ends where who knows. Um, and speaking of which moving on to Brandon or Jacob, rather uh, my favorite pick of his was a uke at six, four. I think I have a uke for me is, uh, you know, uh, definitely top 24 wide receiver lock in that offense in the Shanahan offense. And I think he's going to perform real nicely for Jacob in that wide receiver three slot. We've seen the physical ability from him. We just need to see that second season leap, which I do ex- expect him to take as one of the past top receiving options. There you go in the uh, Kyle Shanahan offense, which is going to be led by Jimmy Garoppolo, who's an adequate passer or Trey Lance, who, you know, is a Jack in the box, but if they're starting him, it's because they think he can win games. So uh, yeah, I, I really like the Ayuk pick. Um, I just think, you know, and he has a ton of, I think he has a ton of uh, keeper potential as well. So yeah, that was my favorite. Yeah. Mine was probably. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Probably Jalen Hurts in the eleven nine, just because yeah, that's great value there. Especially like what happened after, after like the reports of Jalen Hurts dicing up the Patriots in camp and the Eagles yeah. offense just looking explosive. Like the Eagles have gotten so much media coverage this week, it's been insane. Yeah, all the news about Jalen Hurts is just hype. It's it's just trending in the opposite direction that I thought it would. I thought it would be a shaky, and I don't expect him to have like top, you know. Uh, completion percentage in the league. And that's fine because if he has decent completion percentage, he'll be great because he's going to run the ball. He's going to rush at the goal line. He's going to be everything you want for your fantasy quarterback. And that's his second quarterback. He has Justin Herbert and Jalen hurts. So he is just locked at that position. He can play for upside there. So that's probably my favorite. And then least favorite is probably miles Gaskin at the four Oh four, just for all, all the <laughs> yeah. fear that we've had in the past week at, since the draft that's his running back too, miles Gaskin. And then his next running back is Damian Harris. So if miles Gaskin doesn't pan out, he's going to be struggling to field a RB two there. And I like that's... Damian Harris. I think, I think he made a good move in drafting Damian Harris after Gaskin. Yeah. I think Damian Harris is a guy that won't be an RB two start until a few weeks when we see Mac Jones play. Cause Damian Harris has no upside cause he doesn't catch passes and he won't be a having all the goal line work with Sony Michelle and Cam Newton there to spell him. So I'm just worried about that. And once Mac Jones starts, that's going to happen. Then he's going to be a good pick. Okay. I'm just worried about his first few weeks. For me, the least favorites, TJ Hawkinson, we've talked about the mid round tight end thing and that cost a fifth, which is just for me, it's pricey for a tight end. As I say, as I draft the tight end in the third, but, uh, if you think DJ TJ Hawkinson is obviously the top receiving option on that team and he could take that leap, but I don't know if I like him. I like how he waited on quarterback and still got Justin Herbert in the eighth, but I yeah. kind of like the options of Jamar chase or a Kenny Galladay, a chase Claypool, a Cortland Sutton there. 
Um, so you, you don't hate that he staked his claim on Hawkinson, but it, uh, it, it's against my philosophy of the mid round tight ends. Uh, moving on to Danny and the 11th slot here, he, he takes uh, Antonio Gibson at the two, three. And that is my, uh, that's my favorite second round running back in the class, unless Eckler somehow falls to the second, which he didn't. So yeah, Gibson is uh, my favorite pick of Danny's. I, I, I believe the CMC hype, uh, and I'm all <laughs> in on Gibson. I traded CD lamb for Gibson in our dynasty league, which is, I think like really, it'll really be interesting to see how that trade plays out over the next few years. Cause both of those players have a lot of hype going into their careers. Uh, who is your favorite picks of pick of Danny's? So it's ironic because my favorite pick is the first guy that he dropped immediately after the draft. It's Johnny Smith at the 14th <laughs> round. I think you can make the case that Johnny Smith could be the top receiver on that offense. It's just an uncertain situation. Their top receivers right now are Nelson Aguilar, Jacoby Myers. And then after that, it's Nikhil Harry. He's not going to be a receiver for fantasy. So it's either Johnny Smith or Hunter Henry getting those tight end targets. And I think Johnny Smith has that game breaking physicality to him that if he is targeted as much as I think he will be, then that's a phenomenal value. He'll probably be, a, a, he has a weekly floor is what I'm trying to say. And then upside for more at the fifth, 14th round. That's great. And then, yeah, my least favorite pick was probably Devonte Smith at the six Oh three. That's just like, uh, he's coming off an injury in training camp. He's unproven on an offense that I don't think will be a top passing offense. He is the wide receiver one there, but Danny needs him to be his wide receiver too. That's yeah. where he drafted him. And that's not at all a situation I would ever want myself to be in. I would have taken Brandon Ayuk. I would have taken Chase Claypool. I would have taken OBJ, Cortland Sutton. And then you can make the case. Maybe I would take Robbie Anderson as well. Yeah, no, I mean, you you basically just said everything that I have written down here about Devontae Smith at 6'3". That, that was also my least favorite. And obviously I'm a huge Devontae Smith fan, but I was targeting him and in the seventh as my wide receiver yeah. three. And that was my dream pick. And so to take him around earlier as your wide receiver too, instead of a more reliable option there. Uh, yeah, I, I don't love it, but it could be incredible from a keeper perspective. And that's something that we do have to factor into all of these picks. All right, let's finish this up with Ryan. Antonio Brown is my favorite pick. I think it really rounds out his wide receiver roster because he got him in the eighth round. He also took Galladay. If Galladay fails, I think why uh, Antonio Brown slides into the wide receiver three position nicely. I think he's going to produce well on that team. We've been hearing good things out of camp that he looks like his old self, that he had surgery last year. Now he's stronger, faster, better than ever. So uh, yeah, Antonio Brown's my favorite pick on Ryan's team. Uh, mine's probably, oh man, it's hard. I don't have like a standout, but it's easily Russell Wilson just based on the value he got there. But if I had to pick anyone else, it'd probably be Philip Lindsay at the 11, 11, just cause it seems like he actually is the running back one for the Texans. He is a pass catcher. So if he is the running back one, that's going to be a great value. Don't know if you'll start him a whole lot, maybe flex him, but I think that's his biggest value. And then my least favorite was, I mean, Baker Mayfield at the 14th, like why? Like, uh. <laughs> I thought you were going to go on brand and say Kenny Galladay, but he got decent value for Galladay. Yeah, Galladay will be in my next episode of uh, <laughs> don't draft him because he's overpriced. So uh, that's that's a fair, he's my cop out. I just don't want to talk about him every single episode. <laughs> okay, fair enough. All right, let's let's quickly rack up, wrap up this episode with our first place and last place predictions. And then we'll be at Yo, you next week with our top three ADP overpays for me. We did forget about Cole. 
we did how did i forget cole oh i, I forgot i just forgot to write him down um cole's favorite pick for me is i'm gonna cheat and i'm gonna say two picks it's the back-to-back picking of tyree kill and Devontae adams yeah um, yeah, that yeah is absolutely such a power move at the turn <laughs> To, to, to take in this in this running back thirsty league to take advantage of us and to lock down Tyree Kill and Devontae Adams, there's a chance that this man wins this league on that alone. He does not need to worry about wide receiver at all. And then my least favorite pick, uh, I don't really have one, I guess, except Rashad Perriman doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. Um, yeah. that yeah. could have been an auto pick at that point. And that, I mean, that's his 15 round pick. So can't really hate on that. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I would agree with that turn was just savage Tyree kill and Devonte Adams. That was absolutely a vibe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my least favorite pick. I is mean, prob- that's just insane. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, yeah, my least favorite pick is probably Rashad Harriman or AJ green, but those are the guys at his 14, 15 turn that he's just taking for upside. He doesn't need them to pan out. He's just saying these guys could be better than their value suggests. And he's, you know, he'll drop them if he doesn't need them. So that's fine. Yeah, exactly. Who cares? All right. First place. If I'm not giving it to myself, I'm giving it to Grant because I think Grant's combination of letting really two running backs that I love and Cook and uh, CEH and then also being able to lock down Justin Jefferson and Cooper Cup, uh, it, it's giving me a good situation unless the Vikings are problematic from a COVID standpoint. And then he locks down Lamar Jackson, um, who I think is going to be a top four quarterback. So yeah, I really like Grant's team. Yeah, for me, it was it was between Grant or you, but I went you just because you have CMC, who is just a cheat code, and then you got a value on Joe Mixon. You have George Kittle, who's pretty much a lock for the tight end position. You have that positional advantage. And then you got a value on Amari Cooper, Tyler Lockett. You have upside with Javante Williams. If Jerry Judy pans out, then you're just locked and loaded. And Dak Prescott, the value there still gives you a positional advantage because you were able to take all the skill positions. Like it's just Darnell Mooney for upside. Uh, yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. I do feel good about it, which who knows? I feel best about this draft than any draft that I've ever done. So we'll see how it turns out. But, uh, last place for me, this was tough to say because Latsman's team is one of my absolute favorites in the league, but of all the teams here, this is the one, while it will be one of the most fun to watch and root for, I think it has the highest percentage chance of just bombing based on all these high upside picks. Some one of them is bound to fail. And if one of them fails, it feels like the key to his roster kind of falls apart. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I was thinking. But also the upside is tremendous. And it was between him or Ryan for me, because I think Ryan has a lot of similar like potholes in his roster. He has right. Jonathan Taylor is his RB one who were both low on, but that's fine. And then his running back two is either miles Sanders or Leonard Fournette, presumably miles Sanders, but I don't think he has anywhere near the upside as a lot of other players at that spot. And then his receiving core is what gets me because it's all upside with negligible floor, like DK Metcalf, Mike Evans, Kenny Galladay, Antonio Brown. Those guys could be top five receivers on the week but they also could be 55 on the week. So I think his floor can absolutely fall out. And I don't think that is what you want as like a season long uh, league, but uh, if he moves a piece or two, then he can abs- absolutely change my mind. And Noah Fant was what did it for me. Like, yeah. I think he, he needed to wait on tight end when he uh, went running back in the fourth. And that's my critique for Jacobs. Well, if you're going your RB two in the fourth, you need to take, 
something else to like solidify that in my mind. We didn't even talk about Lats going Gusecki in the eighth, which is another reach that's clearly a Dolphins motivated reach. But you just love these first seven picks Barkley, Swift, Lamb, Etienne, Higgins, Waddle, Sermon. All guys you're really excited to watch, you're really excited to root for. So I got, like I said, I love this team, but I, I also think things go wrong here. And I agree with your take on Ryan's team. All right. At Fantasy Bible Pod, that's where you can find us. Sorry we went long today, but we had a lot to get through. It'll be a shorter episode next week. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. 